0: Come home. then winding down an old familiar pathway. I heard my mother call at set of sun. In visions now, I see her standing yawn. Her familiar voice I hear once more. She said the banquet table's ready up in heaven. Oh, it's supper time upon the. Come home. (laughs) Saying goodbye to those that we love Is the hardest thing to do But I set my mind on things above And I know when this life is through I'll move to a city where no one will cry. No disappointments, no sad goodbyes, no more dying. I'm packed and ready to move. I'm homesick for heaven. My heart is longing to go. Homesick for heaven,
1: loved ones are waiting.
0: I miss them so, I'm homesick for heaven, and I just can't wait to go home. I close my eyes, and I see a place far beyond my wildest dreams. Where heartaches aren't welcome and tears cannot stay and pain will give way to peace. Where life is forever and good things won't end. Death will never conquer again. I'm more than ready to hear heaven's angels sing. I'm homesick for heaven. to go homesick for heaven loved ones are waiting I know I miss them so I'm homesick for heaven and I just can't wait to go home. I can't wait to go Homesick for heaven, my heart is longing to go. Homesick for heaven, loved ones are waiting, I know. I miss them so. I'm homesick for heaven, and I just can't wait to go home. For heaven. Good
1: timing. How are y'all tonight? Yeah, got an exciting evening tonight with the baptismal service, and uh, if you need some notes, we have those up here for you. Uh, you make your you can just come on up and get them. Um, but we we will uh, we're going to bring the kids in uh, from over there. They're doing their their uh, their time together. their, their lesson and uh, game time and feeding them, and then we'll have them brought over. So what we'll do is um, as soon as I'm done preaching. Uh, we're going to have Steve come and just lead a congregation, and uh, and then allow everybody to get ready, and then we'll we'll close the service with the baptismal uh, service there. So uh, we've been in the life of David uh, for 42 sermons so far, and uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Samuel chapter 14. 2 Samuel chapter 14. If you have not heard this on. Our YouTube channel or Facebook, I'm going to try to fill you in uh, briefly uh, over the last couple of weeks to let you kind of know where, we, where we're headed, uh, where we've been and where we're headed. Um, David is, uh, has uh, a couple of sons. He has several sons, um, Absalom, uh, Amnon, we've been talking about them, but he has a daughter named Tamar, and um, uh, as sick as this is, Amnon uh, was in love with his sister Tamar, and uh, it was a lust. The way the Bible presents it, it was a it was a erotic type of love. And um, he had a cousin that says, "What's wrong with you? You know what w- what's going on with you?" And and basically, long story short, he says, "I'm in love with Tamar. I'm in love with my sister." And you know, and uh, so uh, Jonadab, his cousin, came up with this plan. To be able to get Tamar in the same room together, and so uh, Amnon pretended to be sick, and uh, he said, "Send my sister Tamar to, to make food for me and to feed me." And so David does that, and uh, not knowing what Amnon's uh, plan was, and so when he takes when she takes the food to him, makes it in front of her, he's lusting after her. Amnon grabs Tamar and he rapes her. Okay she resisted she begged him not to and uh and it was a very big deal because once she lost her virginity then she was not allowed she wouldn't another man would not marry her and so i t- said he he the bible says that he hated her more than he loved her as soon as he was finished with her and so he takes she takes her sleeves and she rips them and it was a sign that she had lost her virginity walks out of the house and walks to her brother's uh a house named Absalom and Absalom soon as he saw her saw the tears, saw her ripped clothing he knew that Amnon had raped her because he had seen the way Amnon looked at her and the way he treated her and so uh, Absalom and Amnon did not talk to each other for two years all right the Bible says that they did not say hey goodbye or nothing Absalom was holding this hatred in his heart but let me go ahead and tell you David was a man at fault here David It was amazing how David was so strong at times and weak at others, and he did not handle his business. His son should have been taken care of. He would have, he would have, he would have been handled by the word of God and he could have even been killed. But David got angry at Amnon and that's all that happened. That was it. He didn't handle his son. Tamar and Absalom live together. Now, the sad part of Tamar and Absalom living together is Tamar lives with Absalom for the rest of her life. She never marries, never has any children. And two years later, Absalom is having a festival. It was a sheep shearing festival. It was always a time where they would come in and they would have um, uh, food and, and drink and, 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 they would, and they would celebrate. And Absalom goes to his father, David. He said, David, would you bring, would you come with the brothers and y'all bring the whole family and would y'all come and celebrate? And David said, no, it would be too much of a burden for you. We're not going to do that. And Absalom begs David, please send my brothers. He was like, no. And he's walking off and he said, send Amnon. And that gets David's attention. Amnon turns, David turns around and says, why do you want your brother Amnon? Now he knows that they haven't spoke. He knows that Absalom is bitter at him. He knows all of this. And he said, would you send him? And David reluctantly agreed. Well, the night of the party, Absalom had told his servants to make sure that you get my brother good and drunk. And you take him in a back room and you kill him. Now, the rest of the brothers came with Amnon to protect him, but they were able to get Amnon away and the servants killed him. The last story we looked at is Absalom has ran away. To get away from David, but also he ran away because Absalom will be killed now if he's to come back to Jerusalem. That's the law. Absalom was was guilty, but here's the problem. Just like David did not handle his son Amnon and his sin, David is not going to handle Absalom's sin. And so now all the brothers are back at David's house. Absalom has ran and, and I talked about how Tamar and Amnon were in the same room together, her rapist being there with a knife stuck in his chest. And so Absalom has run, run to his, uh, his, um, his grandfather in Gesher. And he stayed there for three years. The last thing we looked at on um, Wednesday evening was that David was mourning Amnon and Absalom And so that was the last thing we looked at. And we're now going to pick up the storyline in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Now, Joab perceived that the king's heart was drawn towards Absalom. Now, who is Joab? Joab has been with King David from the word go. He is King David's right-hand man. He is his um, captain in the army. And the Bible says that he perceived the king's heart. What is he saying here? He looks at David and he sees that he's mourning. He sees that he's broken every single day. And so Joab, let me go ahead and give you the storyline. He is going to try to repair this situation. Joab is really going to mess up in this story. He doesn't know it, but he's really getting ready to mess up. Absalom is gone. And honestly, that's the best thing that could have happened. Absalom just stay gone. But Joab is watching David go through this mourning period over and over. And I said this, oftentimes it is harder for somebody to still be alive and separated from you than them being dead because you know that death is the the finality of death that you 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 have to move on. But if somebody is still alive and you know they're still on this earth that you know they're somewhere, I think that was harder for David. I think he recovered from Amnon Quicker than he covered from Absalom. He longed to have his son back with him. The Bible says that he is drawn towards Absalom, meaning he was still for him on his behalf. Despite the murder of his son, he was still for him. Now, understand this if Absalom would have come back to Jerusalem, David would have tried to protect him. However, what would have happened? The people would have had a right to kill him. And David knows all this. Verse 2. So Joab sent a messenger to Tekoa and brought a wise woman from there and said to her, Please follow mourning rites and put on the mourning garments now and do not anoint yourself but with oil, but be like a woman who's been mourning for the dead for many days. Now, let me explain. He He knows this woman from his travels and she is a very wise woman, meaning she's very cunning with her mouth. She can fool the best of men. And so he went to Bethlehem to get this woman. I think this is interesting. Now, this is just my perception of why he did this. I think this woman was far enough away where David would not know her, nor many of the people in Jerusalem. And it was six miles away. And that's an hour, and I figured it up. It was an hour and 42-minute walk if you walked it at a steady pace. She was far enough away. And the Bible says that he said, I want you to follow morning rites. OK, so when there was a widow that was in mourning, they had they they uh, abided by certain things that considered mourning. I said, you know, sometimes it was seven days, sometimes it was 30 days, sometimes it took a year. But they followed certain mourning rituals. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to show that you're still in mourning. I want you to put on the proper attire. I don't want you to put any oil on. I don't want you to look your best. I want your hair to be ragged. I want you to be un- unbathed. And he just goes through all of these things. He said, I want you to put on a show for David. And so she does this. And she's she's willing to do this. Now, I don't know if he paid her. I'm sure he probably did because she's getting ready to lie to the king. But Joab has a plan in all of this. Verse three, then go to the king, speak to him in this way. So Joab put the words in her mouth. He says, not only I want you to put the I want you to pretend like you're mourning of your husband. Now, here's what I don't know. I've, I've looked this up and I cannot find it. If anybody finds this information, let me know. I do not even know if this woman actually had a husband at some point and he had died. It does not say. It could be that he pulled her from that distance away and even lied about the husband being dead. Okay? It's possible. And so he says, I want you to go to the king. And this is the two reasons why this whole story takes place. I believe that Joab is sincerely concerned about his friend David. I think he sees him mourning over and over and over. But you know what? Absalom saw Tamar living two years as a rape victim, mourning, mourning over and over again, never being being able to marry. And then not only this, I think Joab was also scared of Absalom. Because if Absalom came back, I think him and David would have had a fight. That's what Joab is thinking. And by the way, this is exactly what's going to happen. And I think Joab is worried about Absalom building up bitterness. He's now living away from Jerusalem. He had to leave his house. He's living with the king of Geshur. He's living with his grandfather. He's he's living away and now there's just nothing but bitterness. Anytime you have uh, separation from somebody from a quarrel like this, it's never a good time when you reunite, is it? It's nothing but bitterness. That's why we handle problems as soon as we can. And so there's a couple reasons why I think Joab is building this story with this woman who could be a widow or could not be a widow. Verse 4. Now when the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, "Help me, O king." Now look, she's putting on this show. He didn't get old anybody to do this. He he got he went to he went to the university and grabbed the one who was topping the class at acting. And so she fell on her face. She's putting on this show, pretending to be troubled and trying to win over David's compassion. And she cries out, help me. Now here's the thing: is why in the world would she ever go to David? I mean, wasn't there judges in Israel in Jerusalem? Yes. But if your judge mistreated you in some way, you had every right to go to the king. So David's thinking in his mind, okay. She went to the judges and they didn't handle it. So now she's in front of me, but she's got this big show going on and she's laying on the ground and she's crying. Her hair is a mess. He can tell she hasn't bathed in, in days and her her clothes are all ratty and, and, and dirty. And he was like, wow, this woman is really, really messed up. Verse five. And the king said to her, what is troubling you, lady? And she answered, Tru- truly, I am a widow for my husband is dead. Now, I imagine when she's throwing herself on the ground, everything kind of ceased. I imagine even the servant stopped and David sits up and he takes notice from his throne. And she says, truly, I am a widow. Now, remember, everything she's getting ready to say is a lie. So it's possible that this is a lie too. And remember, nobody knows because of the distance that, that Joab went and got her from. Only the people around her would know this truth. Verse 6. And your servant had two sons. Now she's talking about her sons. But the two of them fought in a field and there was no one to save them from each other. So one struck the other and killed him. So now she has David's attention. She said, I had two sons. Now David had Amnon, Absalom. And he's thinking, okay. And she said, They got into a fight, and nobody else was around, and one stabbed the other. David's really paying attention to this story right now. He's saying, man, this sounds like something just happened to my family. And so what is she doing? She's reeling him in, trying to gain a sympathy. She's crying. She's bawling. David's heart is still mourning over his son Amnon being dead, and Absalom has run away. Verse 7, Now behold, the entire family has risen up against your servant, and they have said, Hand over the one who struck his brother, so that we may put him to death for the life of the brother for whom he killed. Eliminate the heir as well, so they will extinguish my coal which is left, so as to leave my husband, neither name nor remnant, on the face of the earth. Now, this is very interesting. She's now bringing her family into it, and she's saying, look, The family is rising up against my only son who is left. And she's saying, and they're wanting to kill him. Now, you know why I think this? I think the people in Jerusalem had spoke of killing Absalom. If he ever come back around. And I believe this is why Joab put this part of the story in there. If Absalom comes back to Jerusalem... I don't think David is going to be able to protect him. And I think he's worried that he's going to lose another son. And this lady's telling this story like her two sons got into a fight, and she says, My family is wanting to put him to death. The neighbors want to put him to death. They want justice. And this is what she says, And they will extinguish my coal. What does that mean? She has no husband, she has no younger son, and the last son will be dead. She has nobody to carry on the family name. Oh, he! she is roping him in. Verse 8. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your home, and I will issue the orders concerning you. I think this is interesting that he's sending her away. I think he's shell-shocked right now. And I think he's trying to decide. He knows he's going to help her family, but listen to what he does. He doesn't say, Ma'am... Your son committed murder. He needs to die. Because if he had said that, then he would have condemned who? Absalom to death also. He didn't take care of the rapist. He didn't take care of the murderer. He's surely not going to condemn this lady's son to death also. And he says, I will issue orders. I think he's overwhelmed. He says, can I just think about what I need to do to help you? You know, I don't. he hasn't caught on this lady's story. You're thinking, okay, David, you are so involved in yourself that you, you don't see the story that's playing out. Let's go to verse 9. The woman of Tekoa said to the king, my lord, now, you know, he's sending her away. My lord, the king, the guilt is on me and my father's house, but the king and his throne are guiltless. The guilt is on me. She's she he's pushing her away and she turns around and well, Lord, don't, don't do this. I need an answer now. I need an answer. Please tell me what you would do. Tell me the order that you're gonna issue. She's reeling him in. She's trying to get him to get to the point where she's gonna discuss Absalom. And he says, the king is guiltless. Look, what's she saying? King, I release you of any responsibility. Just tell me what you're wanting to do. Verse 10. So the king said, whoever speaks to you, bring him to me and he will not touch you any more. So now, whoever, your family, the neighbors, anybody who speaks against your son, I'll take care of them. Now, I want to tell you, this this blows my mind. David is willing to protect the murderer, but yet punish those who are trying to fulfill the law. Does that sound like people in today's age? That people are surprised that they are found guilty and they think they should be let go. We have judges and lawyers who fight for people who are constantly doing injustices in the world and the victim, the true victims, are the ones who are suffering. And so David's now turned and saying, I'm going to help you and I'm going to help the murderer. He's willing to throw justice and law completely out the window. And he's making this emotional decision because of Absalom Amnon. Verse 11, then she said, May the king... Please remember the Lord your God so that the avenger of the blood will not continue to destroy. Otherwise, they will destroy my son. And he said, as the Lord lives, not one hair on your son's head shall fall to the ground. Wow. It just keeps getting deeper. She said, remember me. I, I want to, I'm trying to make sure, David, you're going to protect my son. Is this what you're really going to do? And then he says, Not one hair on his head will be harmed. She's trying to get him to the point. What Joab wanted was, I am going to protect. We're going to protect Absalom, no matter what. Verse 12. Then the woman said, please let your servant speak a word to my Lord. And he said, speak. See As you read this, you think, why did she keep talking? Why did she keep going? She already had the promise from him. But in that last statement, something happened to David. And he knew he was being set up. He said, let me speak to you. Let me me ask you a question now. And she said, speak. What, What do you want? And this is when we see the woman says, Why have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in speaking this word, the king is like one who is guilty. And that the king does not bring back the banished ones. Now all of a sudden, the truth comes out. He says, Why have you planned against the children of God? What does this mean? It reveals the, the danger that Absalom was in. And that Absalom was the concern of trying to take over the kingdom. And then he says, the king is guilty of the same thing. He says, she's saying, you're willing to pardon my son, but you're not willing to go down to Gesher and get your own son and bring her back. You're not. He says, why won't you bring back the banished ones? Why? Because the law would not allow it. David felt like he was protecting his son in Gesher by being under his grandfather's rule than to bring him back because the people would kill Absalom. Verse 14. For we will surely die and are like water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up. Yet God does not take away life but makes plans so that the banished one will not be cast out. And now she's making this urging David because one day she said it may be too late. I think this is interesting. She's saying, David, stop holding, stop pushing your son away. Go get him because you never know what tomorrow is going to hold. How many times you told somebody that you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. That's why Jesus said, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, right? Take care of things today. And she's saying, David, you don't know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. You don't know if Absalom's going to be alive tomorrow. And he says, God makes plans that the banished one will not be cast out. Hmm. She gets this partly right. By the way, this is the one of the first mentions of the gospel in 2 Samuel. What is she saying? That God would not sacrifice his son for somebody else. That's basically what she's saying. She said it wrong. And, she, and this is exactly what God did, right? He sacrificed his son so because of our lives, because of our sin. And she's, this is, the Bible says there's a price for our sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. And so here she's saying, God would not banish one that will not be cast out. God would not treat him this way. God, in order that the banished one would come back, he had to send his son for this. There had to be a price for that sin. And David was, was not, was ignoring the price of the sin. So here's the plea, verse 15. Now then, the reason I have come to speak this, my word and our Lord and King is that the people have made me afraid. So your servant said, let me now speak to the king. Perhaps the king will perform the request of the slave. Now she's, she's telling, look, look, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And this is what she's trying to get across, that David, you're afraid of the consequences of what Absalom's going to face. You're afraid. And so now she's saying, will you not reconcile this relationship? And we're going to have to get into this on Wednesday night to say, why are they so concerned? Why is Joab so concerned? What is going to be the result if they try to reconcile this? Verse 16. He says, for the king will listen to save his slave from the hand of the man who will eliminate both me and my son from the inheritance of God. And so she's appealing to his conscience, still trying to win David over. Save his slave from her son. She's simply saying this, that David, that you have the power to save Absalom, even if it means breaking the law. David, break the law and get Absalom back down here. Verse 17, then your servant said, please let the word of my Lord King be comforting, For as the angel of God, so is my Lord the King to discern good and evil. And may the Lord your God be with you. And she's appealing to God now. I mean, she's appealing to David. She's like, oh, you're like a guardian angel to me. You're like a guardian angel to Absalom. You're the one that can protect him. Just like you can protect my son, you can protect Absalom. And then she said, may God be with you. Let God tell you what to do. Let God tell you what to do. If God, if David listens to God, what is God going to tell him to do? He's going to tell him to kill his son. Because that was the law. And so here she's making a plea. Ignore the justice and come. And get your son back. And now when she says that, David starts to speak in verse 18. The king answered and said to this woman, please do not hide anything from me about what I ask you. And the woman said, let the Lord please speak. Let my king speak. And so the last two verses, we see that this lady is pouring it on. and, And he knows now that somebody's behind this story. He knows now that she's telling a lie. She knows now that he, she doesn't have two sons and she's probably not a widow, that she's made all of this up. And so he's saying, he's saying, let me ask you a question, verse 19. So the king said, is the hand of Joab with you in all of this? And the woman replied, as your soul lives, my lord king, no one can turn to the right or left from anything that the lord king has spoken Indeed, it was your servant Joab who commanded me and it was he who put all these words in the mouth of your servant. When he, when he discovered that it, it was Joab, listen to her tone. Yes. Yes. And she ratted Joab out as fast as she possibly could because she then was thinking, he's going to kill me. David knew that there was more to this. And he says, and the only person behind this that would put you up to this is Joab because I know that he is concerned for my state of mind. Verse 20, and then we'll end. But you got to come back Wednesday night because I'm going to tie all this together. In order to change the appearance of things, your servant Joab has done this. But my Lord is wise, like the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all that is in the earth. Your servant has done this thing listen to her her words i imagine now she's sitting up the tears have been wiped away your servant the one that loves you has done this thing and david you are wise you are wise to catch on to this listen to what she's saying now she's like oh no he is getting ready to take my life and i've done this for joab now Wednesday night, I am going to tie all this together because this is a terrible place to stop, but I had no other options but to stop at this point to make sure this story. But this starts a journey with Absalom coming back home, and I want you to know this, that this is going to be a fulfilling of prophecy. Do you remember what Nathan the prophet, after he raped Bathsheba and the baby died? He said, the sword will never leave your house. And all this is, is fulfilled prophecy. When Absalom comes back to David, you're going to see the word of God is going to be true in this house. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And God, we thank you that you have will give us clarity and when it comes to your word and understanding. God, we often see where Maybe Joab thought he was doing what was right and trying to do what he thought was best for David. But ultimately, God, in the end, it is your prophecy that is being revealed. You are lining all these things up for what you already told would happen. God, you're an amazing God. And as we look at these prophecies and we look at these things being fulfilled, nobody but you can fulfill these things in your perfect timing. Even these things that are so hard to read and and go through. Lord, I ask for continued wisdom as we work through this story of David and we see his failures. We see that he did not handle things the way he was supposed to. God, oftentimes we try to protect our kids when the truth is when they need punishing, we need to punish them and not protect them. God, so many people have bailed their children out of jail that needed to sit in there a couple nights. They have gone and, and paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep them out of trouble and not let them stand on their own two feet. And David did this for his kids in well-meaning, but he needed to let them fall under the law and what God had said. God, let us make sure we can have compassion for our kids and we can be broken for our kids, but don't let us step in and ruin an opportunity for you to teach them and train them, and um, and to show your love to them in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. We're going to have uh, just uh, maybe just a couple songs, and then we're going to uh, Steve's going to come, and um, we we'll have a do what. This takes us how long we're to get ready? So all right, and then so just give us a minute. One
2: minute you got. Let's all get our hymn books turn to page 481 let's stand shall we gather at the river think we should do all four of them all four of them y'all gonna have to sing because i don't know this song mm-hmm. shall we gather at the river where bright angels' feet had trod With its crystals touch forever Flowing by the throne of God Yes, we'll gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gathered with the saints at the river that flows from the throne of god on the margin of the river washing up its silver spray we will walk and worship ever on the happy golden days yes we'll gather at the river the beautiful, the beautiful river Gathered with the saints at the river That flows by the throne of God Here we reach the shining river Lay we ever burdened down Grace our spirits to live. And provide a robe and crown Yes, we'll gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gathered by the saints at the river That flows by the throne of God Soon we'll reach the shining river Soon our privileges will please Soon our happy hearts will quiver With the melody of peace Yes, we'll gather at the river The beautiful, the beautiful river Gathered with the saints at the river that's flows by the throne of God. He ain't there. Let's go to 88. Amazing Grace. That's got four verses. We can get there. No, it's not 88. What page is it? 188. 188. say you may be seated
1: all right what an exciting what an exciting evening this is uh, to uh, baptize uh, we I think we have five tonight that we're baptizing we have several more in a, in a couple weeks that uh, they got the dreaded uh, stomach bug and so we do have some more that will be um, being baptized uh, and whenever, you know, two or three weeks, but for those who don't understand what believer baptism is, uh, in this country, fortunately that it's not the opportunity to lose your life like it is in a lot of Muslim countries. You're simply, you're simply sharing that what they're doing tonight is saying that they have received Christ as our savior and they are openly professing this before you. They live it with their life and they're wanting to show everyone in here and the world that they are believers, and that's what believer's baptism is. This doesn't make them saved. This doesn't bring them uh, to heaven any quicker. They made that decision in their heart. This is simply an open sign that they are a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, the first person that we have today is Miss Stephanie uh, Saint Singh Brown, and so she's coming. She's coming by um, by profession of faith today. What an exciting uh, day this is, and so uh, her journey in the last year has been um, been amazing and uh, treacherous and broken and grieving, but the Lord has done an amazing work in her life, and he's continuing to do so. And she made a profession of faith as, as a child and has decided to, uh, wanted to follow Jesus Christ in Believer's Baptism. Is there anything you want to say? Glad to be here. We are glad to have you here, too. All right, I'm gonna let you stand in front of me and you take your notes. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Dying to self, raise him again to new life. Miss Adeline made a profession of faith just not too long ago, and she sat there and I was explaining believers' baptism, and that girl was glued on me. And I said, Does everybody understand? She said, I understand exactly what you were talking about. (laughs) And so we are excited that we get to baptize Miss Adeline and that she is become part of the Ruth family and, and the family of God and so uh, now you're. we'll explain this later your dad and your moms also your brother and sister but we'll explain that later, right? <laughs> so uh, I want you to take yeah, yeah, yeah. I baptize you my sister in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost dying to self raising again to new life <clears throat> Faith is another one as part of the Ruth family, and you can see God has worked in this family's life and these kids' life, and putting them with the parents that, that, that God has chosen for them. And so they have been a testimony to these kids' lives and changed their uh, their not only their uh, earthly home but also their eternal home also. And so we're thankful for uh, God called her and she's received this call. Are you ready? I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Dying to self. raising again to new life. And so here's one of our teenagers and uh, getting ready to start driving here soon. So, uh, but, Miss Dallas has made a profession of faith that she said about seven years old, and that actually her and McKenna are coming uh, To be baptized today at the same time something you guys will never forget uh, In this in this awesome time and so uh, she is she's made this profession and she wants to follow um, Just like Jesus did in believers baptism and to show all you guys that she is a follower of, of God and she wants to reveal that today I baptize you my sister in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Dying yourself raise him again to new life. So we have an exciting thing again tonight. We uh, always give an opportunity for our deacons. There's no there's no scriptural principle that says the pastor has to do all the baptizing. And so uh, I give uh, some of our deacons an opportunity if they want to baptize and, 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 the, and, the, and their kids. And so we have an awesome opportunity this evening that uh, Jason Davis is going to baptize uh, Miss McKenna tonight. And uh, she asked if he would do that. And so you probably won't get a lot of conversation from Jason. But uh, uh, so he's like, i won't be such an emotional wreck. I said, it's an awesome thing to baptize your children. So he's going to come out. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely um, exciting to be able to do this. I know there's you know there's a lot of things in your lives
0: that you remember. There's moments in your lives that, that you remember, and this will definitely be one of those moments that, that we'll not only remember as a family, but also, you know, as a father and a daughter. So that's that's gonna be very special to me. So great. I baptize thee, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Dying yourself, risen
1: to walk and do this. Father, we love you today, and we're thankful for these decisions, Lord. We know that you did this, and we know that you called them out of darkness into a marvelous light. You were the one who saved them. You were the one who called them. You were the one who drew them. We were simply instruments that you used. To share the gospel. God, it is nothing, no good inside of us that that gets us saved. It's only by your grace, by your mercy, that anybody can call you our father. And I'm thankful for all all these individuals that have chosen to follow you and wanted to make that public tonight. And to show that they are followers. In Jesus' name, amen.